beautiful soul. Welcome to the Quantum Business Queen podcast. This podcast is a vortex for activating wealth, riches, and boss bitches. It is here that I teach multi-dimensional business. Our content will fall under three different categories, 5D quantum creation, 4D frequency alchemy, and the most potent 3D strategy. Every aspect of business that contributes to the creation of success is covered here. Plus, I will be personally interviewing the most amazing boss bitches that are at the forefront of the game, paving the way for money, magic, and magnetism in business. Let's get ready to activate all of that within you. Mel, thank you again so much for being here. And like I said, I was at your branding event and I've been to lots of events. I'm always learning and expanding and wanting to grow from different entrepreneurs. And you really, really powerfully stood out to me. And one of the reasons being is that you can tell there's something a lot deeper that drives you and your mission. And it's just, it's something that really in my mind sets entrepreneurial endeavors apart. When you have a mission, when you're led by impact and legacy versus money and whatever success, which is, which is important as well. Like there's no shame in wanting to have money and create success or whatever, but there's just a different energy when you know that there's some undercurrent that's driving an entrepreneur in a super freaking powerful way. And that's what really inspired me about you. And that's why I wanted to have a chat to you. So would you mind taking us back and telling us about your journey and how it all started? Because I know it hasn't always been rosy for you. And you've actually been through quite a lot that has gotten you to this point. So do you mind taking us back to when you were with your partner and what happened and how that all unfolded? Awesome. Sarah, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me co-create with you and have this honest and deep conversation. So it is a testament to yourself and the community that you've built. So I really wanted to acknowledge you first and foremost, and thank you as well for coming to a branding seminar when we didn't know each other from a bar of soap, hadn't connected. And so for supporting and to do that personal development work, you were meant to be in that room. And that's how these beautiful conversations are essentially meant to happen as well. And so, yeah, that's super exciting. But for me, I've been an entrepreneur for the better of, I wouldn't even say that long, six years. I started my business in 2017, so it's just come up to six years. But that drive and that leadership and what you've been saying there, that amount of depth that I have has started off from a very early age, probably earlier than I would have liked, but life plays out how it's meant to and it unfolds how it's meant to. So I think everyone's had their share of hardship, whatever hardship looks like. I think that's what life presents us. We learn our most deepest lessons through our struggles, through our challenges, through our stress, through the things that don't go our way. And mine really started as a young girl being born for me, I'm Chinese. I'm Chinese-Australian. But back in the 90s, in the suburb that I grew up in, in Victoria, there's a small town called Patterson Lakes. And for those who don't know, I always describe it as the summer bay of Melbourne, like the home and away reference where there's, there's quite a lot of palm trees. There's lots of, you know, big, nice houses that have lake front views. And I really described it as keeping up with the Joneses. It felt like a sim simulation at times for me. But growing up in a very predominantly Western community, we were one of the only Chinese immigrant families back then in the 90s. And so before I actually really knew that 
my superpower was my uniqueness, I was already standing out based on the color of my skin. And that sounds, you know, it's like, oh, well, obviously that's a cultural thing. But as a young girl, what you really want to do is just blend in, not get noticed. In school as well, we really try to conform to what society expects us to. Because if you stand out, especially here in an Australian culture, we we get bullied for it. And so that really started off just kind of like the the simple differences from my upbringing. And my parents divorced when I was three years old. I was a fly-in, fly-out child. Mum lived in Sydney. She got remarried with my stepdad and they moved to Sydney. And again, for a little girl at the age of four or five without her mum and living with dad here, I took on a lot of that blame and potentially that it was my fault that my parents divorced. And it they both love me so incredibly much, but as a young child that where mental health wasn't spoken about as well, we kind of create our own stories in our head. And that's fine. And then I think up, growing up as a child, I, I experienced a, a small amount of bullying regarding my race, regarding my ethnicity. And so, again, kids just – I don't look back at it with anything other than kids just love to – bullied people for no real reason and as your adult self we're like that's more a projection of you rather than me and but it definitely gave me a bit of a tough mindset like you know you got to stay resilient you got to survive in this world and those words can't really hurt you if you don't allow it to hurt you but the true struggles and challenges that I really faced um from that was so after I graduated from high school, I went to study psychology. And now when it's got hindsight's 2020, it's so obvious why I studied psychology. I was fascinated about relationships, about the mind, about the way we treat others, all of that sort of stuff. So I studied psychology and at 18, I met at the time the love of my life. And Angus McIntosh continues to this day to rock my world. And I speak in past tense which you'll soon discover for those that don't know my story, but he was a rock star in my life. That's the only real way that I can explain his personality and his attitude. He was just this thirst for life, heavily tattooed, big stretches, big ears, and was just out of this world, almost too big for this world with his personality. And that's not to say that he didn't have his own struggles and challenges. I think in, again, hindsight, we probably met because we both felt very disconnected from our from our own worlds and we fell in love and he was my first love at 18 and at 18 I call it the rite of passage where we we do a lot of the first of everything together you know when you find your first love at 18 and you're just discovering your place in the world so we would go out clubbing partying and discovering each other and what it means to go from that adolescent to an adult. And so we did the first of everything together, including traveling, purchasing our cars, moving out, and, you know, going to the gym, developing our careers. I graduated with him cheering me on at uni. So I look back at that time in my early 20s as really, really fond memories. But Angus wasn't to say that he didn't have his own struggles and challenges. Throughout our time, I think Gus had lots of drug and alcohol-related problems, own family problems, and demons in his head that none of us could really have understood to the depth that he was going through. And so ultimately, after a few suicide attempts as well, Gus died by suicide 
on a really, really hot summer's day, January 13th, 2014. And I found him in our garage. And that, I suppose, was my biggest fork in the road. And I share this so openly because I think suicide and mental health deserves this much transparency. Studying psychology and working in the industry prior, I thought suicide happened to everyone else or like you hear about it and it's on the news, but it did, it didn't happen to me. Mm. You know, so like I was like, this is what I do for work. You know, yeah. we deal with health crisis. We deal with people's struggles and challenges until it happened within my own home and within my own four walls. And that, I think, again, not that I knew it at the time, but that was the catalyst for why I do such deep, strong personal development work, because it was the very thing that I needed to hold on to, to make sense of the chaos in the world that had just unfolded in front of me. And I didn't have a choice, mm-hmm. right? I didn't have a choice Gus's choice to take his own life was not mine and I didn't get to play a part in it. I wish he had asked for my opinion and I wish he had talked about it, but it's neither here nor there because he's now gone. But what I had to go through at 23 years old after planning his funeral and dealing with my own identity loss and my own turbulence and my own depression, I had to kind of take on the responsibility that it's not my fault but I am responsible for what I do and how I act from here on in. I am responsible of whether I choose to find the answer at the bottom of a gym bean bottle or turn to the drugs and alcohol that so many people almost expected me to go. And rather, I channeled that into mental health advocacy. To be fair, I wanted people to know that Gus was not just the number. He definitely was so much more than that an imprint in my life. And For anyone that has gone through mental health struggles and challenges, we know that suicide is the extremity of the end of the line. Mm. We, Our mind is so powerful that we could almost want to take our own lives and not be here anymore than to find a resolution or to – it actually is so powerful that it's not even giving up. The person that's ill, mentally ill – thinks that they are a burden to others and that when they take their own life, it's a relief for everyone around them. And I really want to use this time and this platform and this podcast and this conversation to just highlight that the pain just transfers to the ones that you love. And it it's worth having a conversation to those people about this if you are at that very end of your options to just kind of like open up and have a conversation because suicide is a very final, final action to a potentially temporary problem. Mm. I'm not dismissing the issues that go on in our mind, but most things are fleeting. And most things are not as permanent as we think that they are, even though the world may come crashing down, but there's always hope if you choose to never give up. And that deep sense of loss is what has actually transferred to a lot of my mission and my purpose, which is what I think, Sarah, you might have really resonated with and landed with. Because when I share this, I'm so okay with getting mistaken, misunderstood, seen as obnoxious, seen as egotistic. Well, I don't think I come across as that. I'm just throwing things out there. But, you know, putting myself so on the line and going so gung-ho even in a world where people are like, why do you work so much, Mel? But because for me, I'm cut from a different cloth for those very reasons. 
for me, entrepreneurship is a necessity rather than a nice to have. I really have something to kind of like push and to prove and to solve in a much deeper way because I just don't want other people to feel alone or to have gone through what I've gone through. And I think that why, my why is so strong that it actually doesn't matter what business endeavor I have. I know I will be successful because I have unwavering belief that Gus didn't die for no reason. And he didn't, he didn't go to waste because I chose not to do anything with it. The universe gifted me with a young love uh, for the better of six years from this man. And I just think it would be such a disservice to him and the life that he lived if I wasn't gun ho on my mission and my purpose to, to help people feel, feel like they, they can do this and they have got this. And so <laughs> it's a very long winded, you know, answer to, to you but hopefully that does give you just a real snapshot of what my why is and your why doesn't have to be as strong as that because you don't have to your why doesn't come from just post-traumatic stress or some sort of real hard crisis or challenge but there is something there that's worth you fighting for and worth you getting out of bed for and I just encourage people to explore that a little bit because that's what makes everything worth it. Oh my gosh, Mel, every single word that you just spoke was so important. So important. Seriously, I just want to sit in this moment for a second and let the, what, what you just said and the message that came across really land and resonate with people because it is so powerful. So I want to talk about Gus because I think we owe this his legacy a moment and obviously his legacy is a beautiful powerful driver for for you. So when it comes to suicide prevention and obviously being on that journey with somebody, did you notice the signs you were in that world? Did you pick up on things that led up to it? Like what what was happening for with you guys during those months that led up to everything? Yeah. And I've given myself a lot of grace. Okay. Mm. I've really worked through with my own psychologist and in my own personal development to let a lot of stuff go. But a hundred percent that there were signs and I think there are red flags or what we can say potential symptoms and signs that can lead someone to be motivated by suicide or having suicide as an option. But to be honest, Sarah, at 23 years old, I didn't even know what love was or be able to articulate the way I do now. Yeah. Almost a decade ago. And so even though now when I look back, there were signs, I mean, Angus was admitted into hospital. He was in ICU previously. And yeah. if that isn't a sign in itself, but for us, when I was that age, what happened was Gus would be so remorseful and ashamed of the actions that he took. We would then want to go home and then play happy family again. And I think so many people do do that. We get into fights and we don't actually resolve the fight in itself or the issue in itself. And we just go, let's go back to normal because going back to normal is the easier route or the route that we don't potentially understand if we go down that route of opening up the can of worms and being like, hey, we need to seek help. And and so that's what it kind of looked like. Drugs and alcohol, although not completely related to suicide, they can coexist and correlate. And again, I didn't pick up on that because at 18, 19, 20, you could also associate that with delinquent behavior. People are just expressing themselves and going on that journey. Mm-hmm. However, the mental health issues that underlied the symptoms and what Gus was going through, yes, we should have been able to catch on and say this amount of drug taking or alcohol use or 
anger was one of his emotions that came out quite a lot. That lack of understanding of emotional awareness or emotional control, these things can lead to someone not being able to think clearly and to problem solve. So, mm-hmm. again, I say it now with a level of maturity to go, there were definitely signs throughout the way, and I think there were definitely what yeah, conversations that were had that just weren't as deep as they should have potentially been, which is why now, like, what's done is done. And that's why I go so hard in the suicide prevention and the advocacy because it's like, okay, how can we be preventative rather than reactive? Because I would rather answer the phone again and again and again or go to my friend's house and sit with them for as many all-nighters as I could if it meant that they would stay alive. But we didn't know that and we didn't have the tools and we didn't have the skills, even when I was working in the industry. Yeah. Like what you said, like I was a practicing provisional psychologist. I was working in crisis, but it's that de- almost desensitization mm. that it could possibly happen to yourself. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. This is so powerful. So obviously the impact that you have chosen and you, you have, let's just make this very clear that you have chosen that this crisis was going to impact you in this way. It was a choice. You deliberately decided your way down that path. And I think, you know, oftentimes it's it's an important to illuminate that awareness that, you know, choices are put in front of us. You you hit a massive crossroad. And I know I know the journey for you after that wasn't easy either, but it, it took you a minute before you could grab that and then choose your way into a higher path. But can you tell us the immediate impact for you that it had on your mental health? Because then you struggled to be able to find your way through as well. Yeah, so the immediate impact was so many family and friends worrying that I would also take my own life because it was such a significant loss and it shattered the entire community that I was in. And I'm so blessed for the support network and the support system that I had at the time and continue to have, because without them, I don't think I would be the woman and the resilience that I am today. When Gus passed, I had, I was on like 24 hour watch from my family and friends. They did not leave me alone to the point that when I showered and went to the bathroom and I was like, guys, I'm fine. Leave me alone. But their tenacity and their willingness to just still be there, sit in the corner of the bathroom while I showered because they were that worried. And I look back and I'm like, that was too much. However, it was actually what I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. I needed the support and people to go, I love you. I'm here for you. This is really hard. And we're in this together. And Mm -hmm. so I really want to share that like, I recognize my privilege that I had a family and friendship group that were just out of this world and grief also does that grief either brings people apart that like can no longer handle the grief in itself but it also brings so many people together that it connects I have friends that just I didn't even think would be my friends that just felt so strongly about what was going on and what had happened they are now like one of my lifetime friends that I can really lean on. And some other people, we all deal with grief differently. And some other people have walked away because they need to manage their own grief. And I completely love and respect that too. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, it's a testament to my support group and social group, but there were really, really dark days. I was suspended from being working in my industry. So as a provisional psychologist, as a lifeline support uh, crisis counselor, 
for very good reason, because six months, I was way too close to the fire and to anything was triggering me. If someone else had their suicidal tendencies, of course that would trigger me. I had just gone through this whole thing. So my work career, my, my, like life turned in completely flipped around in that short term phase. But what that downtime and what that seemingly lack of, you know, progress and like, doing and the going and the action I actually really needed that to kind of get back to the heart center of who I was and figure out who am I why am I here what do I care about because my world had just like completely collapsed so that took a long time Mm -hmm. I think there's still moments that that still comes up for me I don't think we're ever going to be like tick the box and we're done it's a progress we're a constant whip we're a constant Work in progress analysis, you know, there's always going to be the next level. And yeah, I think that very first stage, you just got to take it day by day. Mm. And if it's not day by day, it might be minute by minute before mm. it goes to hour by hour. And then eventually the poison leaves because you enough time has happened that you can grow and look back and process and analyze, but it takes time. Wow. Try and not let it get to years and years and decades and decades because you can do some really powerful work in the months, but allowing yourself that time to grieve and to really just be. And for a while, just because the world keeps moving for everyone else, it hasn't for you. So take the time that you need to heal. That's what I had to do. Yes, 100%. We interrupt this awesome podcast episode to tell you about my life-changing Quantum Business Academy. If you are ready to take your business to the next levels of abundance and freedom, then you're definitely going to want to hear more. Please don't take my word for it, though. Here is one of our alumni sharing their experience. My time in the QBA was incredibly expansive very rich and rewarding and I can't thank Sarah Tynan enough for her wonderful guidance support and belief and sometimes when I didn't have that belief in myself and the wonderful people in the group was really life-changing and a very rewarding experience so yeah just expansive and big and bold and brave was wonderful If you want to know more, then please head over to my show notes, book a call with me, or you can message me in DMs. Now let's get back to the podcast. So then at what point did you gather and conjure up the strength within yourself to be able, what then was like, right, I'm going to make this my mission to create awareness around this. So when, eventually, when did that start happening for you? To be fair, it happened really soon, but not professionally. Yeah. So what I mean by that is I was writing on Instagram as a personal blog. I was uh, sharing a lot of my highs and low days. I spoke at the funeral in a very articulate, amazing way because I really wanted that send-off to be a proud moment, but to also raise awareness. I didn't have any of this language back then. I just yeah. was doing it because I was like, this needs to be said. Mm. But I was just posting online and sharing where I was at the highs and the lows and the guilt that I felt. I remember the post I did when I I had a happy day and when I like laughed and I was happy, I felt a moment of happiness and immediately it turned into shame and guilt for being happy. And so I explored those in my writing and being like, what is this sensation? What is this feeling? Because when you're going through grief for the very first time, 
there is so many things that you don't know and there's no manual for. You just kind of experience it as they come. But during that experience, I was able to share online. And that's how I built my following, my immediate early day following before I even had a business, before I was an entrepreneur. People were just tapping into that authenticity and really wanting to know how is she going to get through this? How is she going to perceive this day? What's going to be a trigger for her? How does Mel react when it's a birthday or a milestone or an anniversary? People were just fascinated by the transparency that I was giving. And then over time, I was like, okay, well, I need to start advocating for this because that's what people really leaned into. And so it happened quite organically that my first ever talk was from Beyond Blue at their gala ball because they were like, hey, you got referred to from XYZ all the way through saying, hey, this girl just lost her partner to suicide. You should get her to share. I wasn't polished. I had notes. My very first keynote, I was just reading off a paper and I just shared. But over and over again, that consistency is how I built my brand. It's yeah. how I built my message. And yeah. I started becoming, we call it a keynote speaker now, but I just started sharing Gus's story or my lived experience. And I didn't realize that people get paid for that. <laughs> it's a job. And that's how it started organically. And then in my career, I ended up working for the Tattoo Expo. So that's my very first touch point of events. I have an event company now. But the very first event that I did, it was purely because Gus was heavily tattooed head to toe. And I think I just started working in the tattoo industry because I was grieving. I just wanted to keep him alive. So I went to the very closest industry that was completely opposite of mine that I could hang on to and go, well, this is a part of him that I get to now explore. And so that world of tattoos and like creating these expos, what I really fell in love with was this community element. Mm. I became obsessed with the, the euphoria that it gave me to see people come together under one roof and share a common value. And now at that point, back in 2017, 2014 to 2017, I was running these tattoo expos. And at that point I was like, I love that this community gathers and they're all almost like, just people that didn't misfits and people that just didn't seem to fit in everyday society because there would be face tats, there'd be piercings, there'd be colored hair, all these kind of things. But they came together and bonded from that uniqueness. And I really fell in love with community, people coming together and sharing their like-mindedness rather than our differences. And that in itself is what has created my platform, such as Ego Expo, which is an event that we run. But it's my passion for events. I ended up in it, having an events company because I understand the power of social beings and tribes and connection. And I think this is how we've connected because yep. we love that energy that in-person live events give us or podcasting. We yep. have really deep conversations that otherwise you might not have in everyday life. But yep. I really love that connection and I really love uh, relationships. So, in a real roundabout way, even just sharing my story in this little snippet, you almost can see no brainer. I like sometimes go, I was meant to be a business coach or in events because from a very early age, I was fascinated about relationships. 100%. Well, you have to think about like the impact of your relationships. Basically, you could almost say saved your life. Like that, that was your community. That was your relationships. And then, so to see more people come together and especially people that you, that would, you, we would classify as the misfits because those are the people who have been outcasted or have been through the grief or have been through the whatever you fill in the blank. And then, then to see that come together as a community, that is healing. That's healing in that. 
And that's what you're creating. And that's obviously what drives you. Yeah, I've never even thought about it like that. So this is what I love about these things, because a lot of it happens in our unconscious. But then dig that one layer deeper. You kind of, that makes so much sense. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you're, it's so true because Mm -hmm. it is, I think every time that you help someone else, we sell, we're selfishly selfless because it actually fills up our cup equally the same. Yes. Yes. Totally. Totally. Well, you could see like how this all, how you would have been magnetized toward all of that because that was your unconscious way or even conscious way of, of healing was bringing people together. So then what led then to you being nominated for Young Australian of the Year? So that was a lot of my social impact world. So Young Australian of the Year in 2019, I was again advocating a lot in this space. Also Channel 7's Young Awards, I think it's mm. called. Yeah, I just got blessed enough to be nominated. People in the community recognizing that I played a significant part in this space and all of it didn't come. It, I think you can really tell like none of this is driven by money. None of this is driven by fame. It's not driven by wealth. There is a lot of depth to it. And I think most people that fall into a not-for-profit sector or a charity sector is because we've got big hearts. You know, we've got big hearts. We're empaths. We want to see social change. And it, we're very much driven by all of that to be able to go, I want to leave the world better than when I found it. And so that came to that nomination. I didn't win. But, again, it wasn't really about that. It was just yeah. having the fact that I was nominated. Yeah. Um, I was contending, which yeah. is pretty cool. And so Young Australian of the Year, you don't get to just put your hand up and say, I deserve to be it. It's a community vote or someone nominates you and fills out a pretty hefty application form. So someone else took the time and privilege to to do that on my behalf, which was amazing. Oh, my gosh, Melissa. And obviously, like, so well-deserved. So, and obviously, you've had some really freaking cool experiences. You were on stage interviewing Mark Wahlberg. How did that happen? What was that about? Like, how did that all unfold for you as well? You've done your research, Sarah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so in when, I think that was 2017 as well. Uh, went to LA, went to Anaheim, Disneyland, and got the opportunity to interview and talk with to Mark Wahlberg on a stage full of 2,000 people, still to date the largest, the largest crowd that I've spoken with. And I think that's when success is opportunity meets preparation, right? Things mm-hmm. happen for you when you're willing to walk through those doors. You have to, I think take the choice you have to step into that world be willing to receive be open to to these opportunities to be able to then yeah have them and so what that looked like for me with this particular instinct I was one of those people like yourselves at this branding event at this success coaching business event and his name was JT Fox I'll say who it is and he's from Canada and he came to Australia and he just wowed me on stage he honestly closed me platform speaker closed me from stage and I just fell in love and bought his program and what his program looked like was this one percent club and we were to fly to Miami you know we pay for it ourselves but we were to fly to Miami and get coached by the world's greatest and best and then his offer was that whoever joined in and was part of it, that he would take someone from every country and put them on his stages. And so I, being me, the little Australian girl that was like, that needs to be me for the taking. I need to own that space. Hmm. I put myself in that position. 
And lo and behold, out of all of the different countries and all the people that came to that event over in Miami and in LA and uh, for his conference, I was one of the Australian ones that he picked out and got to put on stage. So again, it's like, oh, I did pay a lot of money for the coaching program, but that was a bonus added value that I deserve to sort of have on that stage. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, and this is the thing, like it's like preparation meets opportunity. And, you know, I think your whole life was leading you to those big, powerful moments, you know, like you've been through the depths of the depths and then you get to choose, like choose powerfully to step into those higher timelines and higher opportunities and back yourself with powerful investments, which obviously is paid off tenfold. And that is what puts you in those rooms through making those decisions and those choices. I think oftentimes people are too afraid to choose. And, you know, especially right now when things are particularly easy or people talk about blah, 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 economy, this, I don't even like to talk about any of it, but it's like, this is where you get to lean in. This is where you get to choose. And like I said before, just decide your way through things, put yourself in those rooms, like elevate yourself, you know, get in, be uncomfortable. And if you don't, well, you're going to keep perpetuating sameness, but obviously you used your driver and your why, which is why I was so drawn to you, Mel. Like it just, your passion comes through when you talk, even when it's just simple branding strategy, but when you're talking, there's something else that's behind it. And it's so obvious. And it's obviously one of the reasons that has gotten you to where you are in your business and your events company and your coaching and all of it. So With all of that said, you know, you got yourself there because you chose that powerfully. And I think you had a lot of a lot of forks in the road where there were a lot of decisions that you had to make and they would have taken you one way or the other. But you built the muscle of like choosing powerfully for yourself. And that's what got you nominated for Young Australian of the Year. That's what got you on the stage with Mark Wahlberg. Like that's what gets people to where they want to be. But you have to be brave enough to choose. We make choices every single day, right? Whether you choose to get out of bed is a choice. Whether you choose to make the bed from that moment is a choice. Every minute thing that we do are choices that say more about our character or pull us away from those desires. And there's that, there's a cliche quote. I can't really remember who says it, but it's like, we get to choose our hard because no matter what the path before you, the path that's ready for you is going to be hard. Being broke is hard work. Making money is hard work. Which one do you want to choose? Because grief and loss is going to happen to all of us. That mm-hmm. we are, at least I don't know, but, but we're mortal beings <laughs> yeah. that are going to die. Yeah. And so inevitably you will lose your parents. You will lose loved ones. People are going to die on yeah. a very large sort of scale, but you got to choose what you're going to, how you want to perceive it. And you're going to have to choose which one's worth fighting for. And and that choice is every day. I make my bed every single day because for me, that is like one thing t- ticked off the list. Now come at me the world. It doesn't matter how chaos it is because I'm in control of making the bed and I want to set that and it's a testament to my character. Hell yes. Oh my gosh, Mel, you are so amazing. I love this. Okay, so now I want to segue into, so I don't know if, if this was a conscious thing for you, but throughout your whole journey, you were building this brand. I don't know if you were aware that that was what was happening, but obviously when you look back and you reverse engineer all of that, that's what you did. Like that's how you built your following. Obviously, I think, you know, the the way you built your following is so important, not only because of the awareness that you shed on suicide and suicide prevention and mental health and all of that, like that's crucial. But I think as a leader, one of the most important things you could be is that person that can say, I've been there. 
Do you know what I mean? And that's when you've been on the hero's journey. And that's what you were revealing to people, your hero's journey. And you're the hero in your journey because you chose beyond your experience. So that's really freaking powerful. So I don't know if it was unbeknownst to you, you were building this whole brand around this. And then maybe eventually when you realized what you had done, was it you reverse engineering all of that and then teaching other people? Or how did you come into teaching people about branding? You've hit the nail on the head on that one. That's absolutely accurate. I think when we, when we talk about this buzzword at the moment about personal branding, the reality is we all have a personal brand, whether we're conscious of it or not. We've been building our brand and our reputation and what people perceive about us from the moment that we step foot, literally from how we dress, how we articulate, what we want to do with our lives, the career, all of that is about branding. I didn't know that I even had a skill set around building a personal brand until I had runs on the board, though, Yeah. until I had enough lived experience to then go, wow, this is a thing or two that I really, really know and understand, not only because I put myself through it and then achieved those results for myself, but I started seeing that that was the way that I was coaching from. The lens that I was coaching from was like people would start coming to me with their businesses and their companies. And then what we would really talk about was their personal brand and their story because I was fascinated about how they came to be and were the stories that they've been telling or their upbringing that shaped them to who they were. Yeah. Our company is only an extension really of a founder's personal brand, especially when you're a founder. It There's a deeper layer to it, which is the why. And most businesses that come out with the why, which is to just build revenue, you don't really see them making that huge impact or that legacy or even after 10 years, if they're still around, because it was built off things that are just, a monetary value or a financial outcome and it's just never going to be the thing that lands the test of time because what happens you'll always be able to make more and more and more and more money anyway and it's not enough because people don't align to that I think what people really get most of is the way that a company or a brand makes people feel nailed it yeah mm. and and the why is what evo evokes emotion mm-hmm that's the underpinning thing that will and, – and emotion is what activates people to shift and change because people all they want is to feel something. And if your personal brand is connected to a why, then that's the, the thing that will invoke all of that emotion and inspired change. But, yeah, yeah 100% agree. Like if And this is where, like, if you don't have that driver, you're going to have shit days. You're going to have shit months. You're going to have clients fall or whatever. But if you don't have that driver, that's where people are like, nah, too hard. I give up. Which is what most people do because they haven't done the deep work of starting with their why. Correct. People very commonly, which I talked about in the branding seminar, but I really highlight that so many people that do it wrong is because they talk about the what and the how. They talk about the features and they sell on, on the features and the nice-to-haves when you haven't got to the core of what inspired change really requires, which is moving people with the stories that you say. Yes, exactly. Yes. Inspired change, it equals inspired action. That's what, that's what motivates people to act. And so if you're not being driven by inspired change, you're not going to motivate people to act. That's what I've found. Okay. So we have been, oh my God, this conversation has flowed. We've been going for a little over time, but that's okay. Now I want to just ask you a few different questions and we kind of already touched on it. So where do you really feel like if we're talking about the why, where do people get it wrong when it comes to branding? Obviously, being devoid of a why would be one reason or one place where people would get it wrong when it comes to branding. But what have you seen, like, major mistakes that people that people do when it comes to personal branding? 
Yeah, I think people get very fixated on their color palettes and their logos and all of this identity stuff. And yeah. you know, what what pink magenta should I be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reality is I don't, it's not the lens that I coach from. Even when people yeah. think about branding, they come straight to me and go, cool, what's our – you know, what's our logo identity? And I'm like, let me get to the deepest stuff first, yeah. which is the unpacking of the vision, the mission, the values. Do you even, who is the customer that you want to serve and how do we talk to them? So yeah. that in itself, I think is very important. But what people get really confused about with at what I'm seeing at the moment is people not being able to separate their company branding from their personal branding. And wow. so understanding that the personal brand, Sarah or Mel, is the thing that builds trust no matter what the vehicle is. The company brand is only an extension of that. And they're very two separate entities. It's how you protect your entities as well. And so not getting so confused with like, well, the company's saying this, this, and this. And I'm like, but what is Sarah saying? What is the founder saying? Because the personal brand is critical for people to build trust, but also understand you on a much more personal level than a company level. And that includes things that might not necessarily be monetary, ROI fixated, even tangible outcomes. Mm. Yeah. Personal brand has so many things that go, I just love it. Why? I don't know. I know she's – or people not recognizing that it's like, oh, Mel's really consistent and Mel's really disciplined. And the only way that they can really identify that is like, oh, I see Mel on her stories going for a walk every day with her dog. Yeah. Because they show you that in a way that's probably not tangible. But when I show up and get out of bed every day and you see me do my walks every morning, that somehow goes, well, if she's consistent in that, maybe her business is also consistent. Maybe I will buy from her, but they, they look at your personality traits and your characteristic traits in a much more non-tangible way. Trust mm -hmm. is a feeling. Yes. And, and people need to really nail that in personal brand rather than like, yes, there's a strategy, but the strategy is being you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Mel, I love this. I mean, it's just a testament to your authenticity. Okay, amazing. I think, okay, so where can people get in touch with you? How can people connect with you? If people wanted to work with you, what is, what's available? Tell us about you and your business and your company and your brand and how people can get in touch. Yeah, melu.au. I've got a website there that hosts everything. If you search melu on pretty much every platform, you should come, I should come up on LinkedIn, melu on Instagram. And that's a conversation that I can have down in a more intimate way, but it's a handle that just has to stay because I have had that handle since I was like 15. So. Yeah, but I'm, I'm available on any platform, anything that you want to find. I've got my own podcast that you can also look up. It's called The Authentic Me. Again, one of my core values is authenticity. So I show up in every platform that I can as transparently and as authentic as I can. So reach out anytime. It's definitely me behind the Instagram channels or the platforms. I don't have a VA in that sense. So it will always be me that responds back to you. And I like to think I'm pretty good at my response rate. Oh, Mel, you're amazing. So we'll put all your links below. We'll put your podcast below. We'll link everything below. And guys, for any Melburnians or anyone in Australia, really, we are having a VIP day where Mel's going to be in person, a keynote speaker. So you can come to her and 
be with her, sit with her in person, ask her specific advice around your own personal brands. You're not going to want to miss it. It's November 4th. And Mel, you are such a special gem to this planet and this world. And thank you for sharing everything so openly, so bravely, so transparently, like the work you're doing is so important. So thank you so much for being on here and telling us about your journey and sharing so freely. Like you're just such a blessing. So thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an honor to share and to be part of your community. And I look forward to November 4th. Thank you so much for listening today, beautiful soul. I hope you got so much gold and were activated in such a way that you could step into your highest timeline of abundance and freedom because it is more than possible for you. If that desire has been planted in your soul, it is so deliberate. If you wouldn't mind, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast so that we can get this message into the hearts and ears of more amazing light beings across the world. I would love to continue this conversation with you. So feel free to get in touch on Instagram at sarah.tynan.quantumcoach. If you're a Facebook person, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Sarah Tynan International. And please don't ever forget, if your desire is there, it's because your destiny is there too. You just have to remember who the you are. Bye for now, beautiful.